This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Now, on board Planola is one of the most important and influential bodies in this country. It is uh, set up to ensure fairness in the planning system uh, and uh, to oversee planning so that it's in the public interest uh, and in the community interest. At the moment, though, board Planola is in some kind of trouble. People aren't sure what's at the bottom of it, but many, many questions have been raised. Um, and the Irish Examiner and their special correspondent, Mick Clifford, have been writing about this. Others have been slow to take it up, although I notice now Arthur Beasley in the Irish Times is also writing about it. But uh, the story is extraordinary. Uh, and we're joined now, it's a pleasure to be joined by Mick Clifford, Special Correspondent with the Irish Examiner, Mick, former Journalist of the Year and one of the most respected reporters in the country. Mick, this is an extraordinary story. First of all, on board Planola, it is a hugely influential and powerful body, isn't it? It's it, it's the final arbiter, really, of what's built and isn't. Absolutely, I mean it is, and and it's a, it's a body that since its, its establishment in 1977 has, to the greatest extent, enjoyed public confidence. Just very briefly to give you an idea of the kind of power it has, because I think people don't realise sometimes it, it, its primary purpose is an appeal body. Uh, if you want a, an extension to your house, if you want to build 300 houses, whatever, you apply to your local authority. Uh, the local authority says yay or nay, and thereafter, if there are objections, that goes before the on-board planola. Now, a couple of things about it. People see appointments to boards, and we think in terms of semi-state bodies, and, you know, you turn up for your monthly meeting. This is actually an executive appointment. The nine members, the ordinary members, are on about 129 grand a year. Deputy chairman, 142,000, and the chair, I think, is close to 200,000. Just very briefly to give you a sense of their power. Gugan Barre, I mean, a place you may know, lovely beauty spot there in West Cork, the little church on the, yes. on the lake. There's a proposal, and I'm making absolutely no comment on the merits of this proposal. It's an indication of power. There's a proposal for a wind farm overlooking that. Now, quite understandably, the local uh, residents are very much against it. The local politicians are against it. Cork County Council refused planning permission. 
The yeah. inspector from Borplanola, who's the person who goes down and does all the reports and examines it for the, to be presented to the board, recommended refusal. Despite yes. all of that, the three members of the board who were selected from the nine decided to give permission. Now, I'm not yes. saying they were right or wrong, but that's just an indication that irrespective of how much opposition or who was opposed or what planning thought goes into it at a local level, that's an indication of the power that these uh, individuals enjoy. Yes, it's extraordinary power, and it can, as you just outlined, go against the prevailing views of the community which are delivered by the inspector. Can you just explain, there's about 50 or 60 inspectors, uh, and there is then this nine-person board that makes the final decisions. The inspectors are the ones, are they, who go around to see if a complaint has merit or not. Exactly. An inspector, uh, I have my site there, I want to build 200 houses. The inspector shows up, examines the site, uh, does up a report, correlates all the environmental information, the information, for example, about transport impact, all of that, compiles it all in a report and presents that to the subdivision of the board. Usually it's three uh, individuals who, who sit on it. Now, the board does not have to take the inspector's recommendation, but yes. if they don't, they should give reasons for it. The board are charged with national policy aiming. And so, in other words, you could have a scenario that uh, a local application uh, is deemed not to be good for the environment locally, is deemed not to be necessarily good for the economy or the community locally. Yes, the board must then put that into the mixer, so to speak, of what national policy is and see then does yes. national policy override all of the other considerations? So it, it is, it's a very serious uh, amount of power that's, uh, and responsibility that's vested in those members. Now, currently, there is a problem, and the problem, we will go to the nature of the problem in a moment, just uh, to uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe, uh, Mick, that Senior Counsel uh, Remy Farrell is investigating matters to do with the present board. Correct. To do specifically with the, the, the current uh, vice chair of the board, uh, a man, Paul Hyde, who is like, and this is interesting too, all the board members currently and for a number of years have been what you might call a technocratic in that they come from a planning or architecture background. Yes. Now, that was not necessary. In fact, it just wasn't the intention when the board was set up back in 77, they were supposed to reflect in broad terms of community, but that's a separate issue. Paul Hyde emerged first in the Ditch website, and some very good investigative work, but Paul Hyde had sat in on a board that um, turned down an application for a so-called strategic housing development. We can talk about that, so, which is basically an application that goes straight to the board rather than coming through the local authority for for uh, developments that are in greater of 100 housing units. There's yes. an application in Blackpool and Cork City. It was 149 units. Paul Hyde was chair of the board and they turned it down now. The, the inspector recommended turning it down anyway. The problem was, it emerged, Mr. Hyde was a 25% shareholder in the company, his father being the other 75% that owned 
a piece of land that was within something like 50 metres of this proposed site. Now, immediately what arises there is a potential conflict of interest. Yes. It was, and he did not declare the ownership of that when the board... And just quickly, I, I spoke to former board members, and they all tell you, when any issue comes up, very first thing in the item, does anybody have an issue here? Does anybody have an interest? He never declared that. Now, he, he has claimed that uh, the piece of land is irrelevant and that it was dormant, but that was the thing that kicked off what led yes. to this senior council being appointed to investigate that and a number of other cases. Yes, because it seems obvious that he should have recused himself. Uh, yeah, and, and, and or at least that he should have uh, told his fellow members of the board of the circumstances and and take their guidance. Absolutely, and as well, that site should have been listed in his declaration of interest, which is similar to the declaration of interest that politicians have to make annually, and and some of it had been for some years, but I think it had lapsed in recent years. So he didn't do that. Then it emerged again through the ditch initially that uh, he signed off on, uh, on an appeal for an extension that involved a house owned by his brother and sister-in-law in Sandy Mount in Dublin. Now, he claimed in relation to that that he saw the address but that his sister-in-law's name wasn't on it and he was unaware of who owned the house. That's another one of the cases that's being examined by Remy Farrell, who was appointed by the Minister for Housing, Dara O'Brien, once these revelations came out. The big problem, Eamon, is that it has spread far and wide beyond those few cases since that investigation was announced. Well, just in the case of his sister-in-law's uh, property, um, there would have been inspectors, would there? There was, and... Um, and the, there is, I know from reading your stuff, that many inspectors have been disturbed because they've been asked to change their reports. This is it. I know there's no suggestion whatsoever that that happened in this case, but no. yes, there, there have been a number, and we reported that, for example, it has got to the point that in the most recent meeting between union reps, the force of union representing inspectors and management in board planola, one of the inspectors, the worker representative who was present, said that it had become an issue of inspectors being asked to change reports or recommendations. Now, small comparison, I mean, it's not exactly comparable, but there are definitely elements of it. To some extent, it's a bit like you're appearing before a judge in a court of law, yes. and the judge says to the prosecuting counsel, I want you to make a few changes to that book of evidence before I decide on it. Yes. So, I mean, it's the, 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 this is serious stuff, mate. It is very serious stuff, and there was never a suggestion of this arising until recent years, and it is definitely something that has become an issue, and that we there's also been a number of cases published both in the examiner and the ditch of where inspectors' reports were where they were either asked to change or they did change the reports, and it quite obviously among the inspectors in there, there's between 55 and 60 of them, that has become an issue, and they're feeling that it's impacting on what their work is supposed to be. Yeah, I mean, and they are working uh, in the, the national interest, of course, but in the case of Mr. Hyde, who appointed him? Well, no, this is the other element to things. <laughs> the, the, the appointments to the board are interesting. This goes back to, uh, initially, Eamon, 
Prior to 77, the Minister for Local Government decided on planning appeals. Now, have a think about that. We're in a scenario, go back to me yeah. building my 60 houses, and yeah. I don't get planning permission. I ring up my friend, the minister, whom per perhaps I gave <laughs> a large political yeah. donation to and say, ah, come here, listen, is the, 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 this has to go through. The minister who has zero experience in planning or anything, takes yeah. a look and then decides whether or not. Now, obviously, that system had to come to an end. That, so they, they appointed, on board, they, they set up on board Planol as an independent body. Yes. The, the, the members of the board are selected from a group of panels on a rotating basis, which is supposed to represent society at large. For example, you have obviously the professional bodies in planning, construction, engineering, etc. But you also have the National Women's Council, ICTU, yes. the Federation of uh, Youth uh, Movement, I'm not sure the exact title, the Irish Country Women's Association. Yeah. All of these are named in the legislation in 2000. Interestingly, 2006, a name was added to it. And this was an organization called the Irish Rural Dwellers Association. Ah, uh, yes. This is the brainchild yes. of, of a man, Jim Connolly, who was, I think it's fair to say, his big thing was he was very much in favor of one-off housing and people being able to build a, a, a residence to live wherever they want. Yes. He gained some political kudos, as happens with a lot of one-off housing. And he also, his organization presented itself as a foil to Antasha which objected to one-off housing in a lot of instances, and Bortanola came down in favour of untouched in a lot of those instances. Yeah, and um, Frank MacDonald, who was the environmental correspondent for the Irish Times for many, many years, and is a, a, a renowned journalist uh, in this field, uh, retired now, but he has got himself involved. But I want to ask you about Mr. Connolly and the mm. Irish... Rural Dwellers Association, because something very strange happened. They disbanded, didn't they? They did. They, they, they were wound up in uh, late 2012, and to the greatest extent, it was a one-man operation. Mr. Connolly was regarded by a lot of people as a visionary in this respect. Others would have taken grave exception to his approach to planning. But they had some record, Eamon, because... The, a lot of organizations have great difficulty in having their nominee appointed to the board. For example, I spoke to Patricia King and ICTU. The yes. last time there was a vacancy, ICTU put forward three candidates. None of them got selected. Now, Mr. Connolly, with a very small organization, arguably a, a one-man organization, managed in 2013 get one of his nominees selected onto the board. That was, uh, after, that was after they disbanded. No, this was, sorry, this, that's the second one now. The first one was this man, Mr. Lee, who was an architect who was close to the organization. They got him on. Then, they nominated, after being disbanded, the next time a vacancy arose, they nominated Paul Hyde. Now, you have a scenario whereby a small organization that's been disbanded, nominates somebody, and I remember that's one of only a number of nominations there would have been, and somehow that nomination is successful, is selected by the Minister of the Day, Phil Hogan, and that was Mr. Hyde who got put on the board. I spoke to a number of board members of, of Irish Rural Dwellers Association. They knew absolutely nothing about that, a number of ex-politicians right. of that. I spoke to sources close to Mr. Connolly, who told me that he's no recollection of this and that he doesn't know Mr. Hyde. So, 
it's a bit of a strange one in terms of his appointment, particularly, as I say, because this is a, a, a burped, I know, the, the amount of power that's leveled there uh, is enormous. And, and in that vein, the other thing to note, all of the current members, bar the most recent appointment, who's a, a Patricia Caleri, who's a very well qualified for the job person, who happens just to be a sister-in-law of uh, Fianna Fáil TD, Garrett Caleri. But apart from her, all of the nominations have been Fianna Gael appointees. Right. So, And you wonder, yeah. is there a certain group think? I don't know or whatever, but it's certainly worth noting anyway. Yeah, it is worth noting, and it would be worth it would be noted if any political party had that number, it, it would be regarded as packing a, a board. Now, in this case, a board that is so important to so many people's ambitions, their lives, and their communities. Very much so, and and then that probably brings us to the other big issue that has arisen in recent years, and this goes to the heart of. Finnegal policy and government policy, and that was this idea of strategic housing development. Yes. So what that involves, Eamon, is if a developer, this, this has been discontinued because it's been a disaster, but this was brought in 2017. If a developer proposes to build more than 100 housing units, 100 apartments, for instance, or 200 student units, now, this meant that they did not go through the usual planning process, they had a fast-track process that went straight to board Planola. Now, that of itself fundamentally changed the function of the board. They were no longer an appeal body. They were yes. simply a planning yes. body. Yes. And it was also obvious, well, sorry, it, it was obviously the case that the government were doing this in order to hurry up the planning process to get as many units built as possible, understandable on one level in terms of a, of a housing crisis. However, there was huge issues arose as to whether it was the proper way to go about planning. That seems to have impacted hugely on the board, its functioning, and some of the issues that have arisen since. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. 
With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I want to go on and ask you about Rachel Kenny, a, a director of planning um, at the board in a moment. But just let me ask you about Stefan Hyde, who's uh, Mr. Hyde's brother. Yes, he's Mr. Hyde's bro- brother. As I said, it, it, it was his house, although I think it was done in his wife's name that Mr. Yeah. Hyde signed off on Sandy Mount. It has also arisen. Uh, through the ditch, that um, Mr. Hyde is a, a partner in a fire consultant, which was involved in a number of applications before the board, on which, again, Paul Hyde sat. So, yes. again, you, you have the potential of conflict. Of conflict there. Of now, interest, yeah. Presumably, the, the, there's some reasons to be given why Mr. Hyde says it wasn't a conflict, but that does arise again, you see, and it's. You mentioned Frank McConnell. I spoke to Frank, and he he also he showed he had a, a letter that he wrote of complaint. Yes, you quote from a letter in a piece I saw you you wrote for the Examiner. Yeah, and, and he makes a point that he spoke to a former board member who described how they lived as monks, effectively, yes. in that it ensured they had no contact with any possible individual who might be involved in the planning process and. Also, I'm aware of a former member, for example, very quickly, former member, he had been involved in planning in Kildare. Therefore, any time anything to do with Kildare arose, just can't say, sorry, I'm out of the picture. His wife is from, I think, Donegal. His mother-in-law had some minor role in environmental stuff there. Anything in Donegal. He said, sorry, I'm out of the picture. Now, that's very much in contrast with what appears to have been going on in recent years in terms of people being very, very careful that in order to retain public confidence, there couldn't be the whiff of the smallest suggestion of conflict of interest anywhere. Now, let me ask you about Rachel Kenny, who is the director of planning at on board Planola. She spoke last uh, May at a developers investment conference. And I've read her speech, which you published. And she is talking about the strategic housing developments that you mentioned there, which is, you know, above a hundred. And she, um, appears to be giving guidance, shall we say, to developers. Now, it, it, should somebody, is this common sense or is this unwise? Well, again, yeah. like a lot of things, that depends on who you who you ask, you know. Yeah, you <laughs> but, can you can make the argument that to to help these developers who are building these strategic housing developments get their ducks in a row, this kind of advice might be given. But you have to go, you have to meet them, you have to socialize with them. It's certainly not the monk-like situation, uh, the Travis Monk situation that you were describing a few minutes ago. Absolutely, I mean, and like you know, at this conference, and Miss Kenny made comments like, um, 
the current planning system can be misused or exploited by a small minority, a couple of hundred people, to prevent the progression of over 80,000 units. Now, our audience would have no problem with those comments, but politicians, communities, uh, banners, perhaps... Outside the 80 or 90, 90 people protesting mine. Yeah, well, exactly, you know, and, and she also had comments that things at a previous conference the year before. It's, it's unfortunate, she said, 90%, 95% of, of I think the SHDs are repeated. People just generally have an issue with new homes being built. And again, you know, and, and then she also said, take your chances and get the higher densities because the board is very focused on the national policy. Now, yeah. And just to post it, there's code of conduct in a board canola that states that employees, not just board members, shall not publish or publicly express personal views or opinions which could reasonably be interpreted as compromising his or her ability to carry out his or her official duties with the board in an impartial manner. Again, the yeah. question arises, would this sort of thing have been going on three, four, five, ten, twenty years ago, and to the best that I can determine, no, it wouldn't. No, and there's another interesting fact here in your report um, about, it's the Minister for Housing, Darrell O'Brien, who has initiated this review or inquiry, should we say, uh, by Remy Farrell, uh, Senior Counsel, and he wants to thing to conclude in three weeks yeah no uh, that's yeah, a rather short time it, isn't it? it is but i think the far bigger problem there is the, the the terms of reference for this inquiry are extremely narrow right. in terms of what has emerged i mean best my knowledge uh, mr farrell is looking at a handful of cases involving paul hyde and whether or not there was any potential conflict of interest that it could have compromised his function. But, but surely the, way the, the first case you you outlined to us, um, Mick, about, you know, Mr. Hyde uh, and his father owning between them 100% of, of, of a piece of property that was going to be affected by a ruling. I mean, that's that, that's clearly a conflict of interest, surely. Well, uh, as, as the man says, even you may well say that, but I can't comment. No, no, no I'm just, I'm just I'm saying, as a layman, I'm not. Absolutely, I, listen, absolutely. No, it has to be said that a letter has been published in E. Uh, Sir Hyde wrote, I think, the chairman, where he suggests that in his mind there wasn't a conflict on the basis that the land was dormant and had not been used for anything and had no commercial value, something to that extent. In his, in his mind. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Uh, and, and as I say, the second one involving his, his brother and sister-in-law, he says he was unaware that this was their home. Now, again, you know, if he wasn't aware, should he have been aware? And how was he not aware? People would well ask those questions. But they're the kind of questions that Mr. Farrell has to determine an answer to. But as I say, it's gone so far beyond that, you have to wonder... Uh, yeah. How much this in, in, the, internally as well? A review of a lot of cases that's been described up to twenty or possibly more involving Mr. Hyde are being reviewed by uh, internally by Umbor Planola, and the planning regulator is bringing forward a, a, a scheduled review of the whole operation of Umbor Planola. But these things are dragging on, and the big thing is public confidence. Going back again and again. Yes. You look around the country. Wind farms, new housing developments, 
deals even for domestic people need to have confidence yeah, there is decided. an issue, is there, with wind farms uh, uh, and Mr. Hyde, is there? No, excuse me, with telecommunication masts, ah, there yes. is an issue. And that is a serious issue because uh, my colleague Keenan Brennan reported that um, in a serious number of cases in the last few years, two-person board, which is at the very least unusual as opposed to a three-person, and to the greatest extent they were the same two people, went against inspectors' reports on a number of occasions to grant uh, permission for telecommunication masks. And, yes. and that, again, is another issue. So it's, an, it's not it's an covered by um, Mr. Farrell's inquiry either. Yeah, so, and, uh, I mean, the, the inspectors who are, um, as I understand it from reading the stories um, that you've published, uh, and indeed Arthur Beasley has published in the Irish Times, the the inspectors here are the whipping boys. I mean, they go around, they do their work, they submit their report, and then that report can be amended. Absolutely. And, I mean, you know, you have to ask, I mean, particularly, uh, as I said, the board don't have to go along with a recommendation, no. but they must give a reason for not doing so. So in some instances, it would appear, certainly from what the, the, the inspectors have represented through their, their worker representative at, at the industrial relations meeting, it would appear that in some instances they're being asked to actually change recommendations, which is very serious interference with their professional duty. Yes, and I mean, I just want to quote finally from Miss Kenny, and uh, she was speaking to developers uh, and investors in an event in September 2021, and she referenced a very high number of appeals when strategic housing developments are proposed. And she said, it's unfortunate, the level of appeals, 90 to 95% of these strategic housing developments are appealed. This is, I'm quoting her, people just generally have an issue with new homes being built. She also gave a tip to developers, take your chances and get the higher densities because the board is very focused on the national policy. Now, I'm not suggesting really that Rachel Kenny is doing anything wrong, but she's certainly informally marking the card of people that she should be, you know, standing some distance away from. Absolutely, I mean, no question in the world. And even the, the whole strategic housing development. Or maybe, thing is, or maybe, just let me, before, in case I've, I've done her, I mean, just maybe this is on board Planola's new informal way of getting stuff done. In other words, we'll mark the guy's cards so that they won't be wasting their time. You could argue that. You, you, you certainly could. Um, it would be interesting to see what uh, an evaluation of the thing will come out with, but that is definitely possible. That is definitely possible, and I, and I am sure that's what Miss Kenny would say was what she was doing. Yes. But it should also be put in the context. Strategic housing development was a disaster. First of all, a huge number of them were judicially reviewed, the decisions made by the board. The vast majority of those boards' position was rejected by high court judges. Yes. Of those that were granted, only less than 20%, now this, remember, was the way they were going to get houses and apartments built very quickly, less than 20% have been actually built or has been started to build. 
and the, the, the whole thing has now been shelved, it's being phased out by the government, which was more or less admitting that it has been a disaster. What we're seeing now is that not only was it a disaster in terms of policy, but the impact that it has had on the functioning, the internal functioning yeah. of Umbor Planola has been really negative, it would seem, from that point of view. And also, there have there are some in Umbor Planola who have observed, particularly in relation to the inspector's report, that, that perhaps some on the board were over-enthusiastic in following the policy uh, and the, the outcome of that judicial reviews that all went against the board and just you saw legal fees mounting up again public money all wasted in that okay Mick uh, thank you very much for joining us to discuss uh, this serious problem and very serious Mick for the so many thousands tens of thousands of younger people um, who are waiting for homes no question in the world and that that is the thing the planning system has been one of a number of big problems contributing to the crisis and there's no question it needs to be reformed but the way they attempted to go about with the strategic housing development certainly didn't work and now there's a bigger problem on their hands and that is is, is the status of uh, Umbor Planola in, in the public mind at the moment. Okay, well we hope that when Rami Farrell reports you'll come back and talk to us about it. Thank you very much indeed Mick Clifford Special Correspondent of the Irish Examiner we're grateful to Mick to all of you for listening, that's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. If you're a Shark Tank fan or business junkie, check out the podcast Another Bite. Each week, Another Bite breaks down the biggest success stories and most disastrous failures to come out of Shark Tank. The hosts break down each company's pitch, analyze the deals that were or weren't made, and answer the million-dollar question, are they still a company? Whether you're an entrepreneur looking for tips or a Shark Tank fan that just wants to relive the drama, Another Bite's your deep dive into the world of Shark Tank. Just search for Another Bite in your favorite podcast app, like the one you're listening to right now. In manufacturing, you need to automate intelligently to compete effectively. But not all automation solutions are created equally. AGVs and AMRs driven by Bluebotics Ant technology offer robust, accurate performance and native interoperability. Because your material handling can be smarter. Visit antdriven.com. That's antdriven.com to learn more.